Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. There are women over 40 in the South that are like very sassy that yes. have a very funny take. And like she's representative of, I'm sure, tons of different kinds of people. But like that's a voice. That's a very valid voice. Yeah. And so we're seeing that across all sorts of spectrums, color, gender, queer, whatever. It's not just like there's... You can make yourself accessible. There's no kingmakers anymore. Like, just because you don't have a Netflix special doesn't mean you can't have a YouTube special. Doesn't mean you can't blow up on TikTok. Uh, the market dictates. And that is what's so great about stand-up is th the bad and good thing about it is, like, it you live and die by your jokes. Hi, I'm Rachel. And in this show, we talk about everything. Life and work, health and healing, relationships with others and with ourselves. These are stories for the seekers. These are conversations for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hey guys, it's Rach here and welcome to another episode in our Mastermind series. So if you're not already familiar, Mastermind is where we pick a single topic and then we bring in the best of the best interviews, teachers, creators, writers, musicians, doesn't matter who it is, but in seven years of doing this show, we've had some really good conversations and we bring in the best around this specific topic. Today, we're talking about failure, but we're talking about failure with a bunch of comedians. We thought it would be awesome to approach failure through a more lighthearted perspective. So in today's episode, you're going to hear from Burt Kreischer, Dane Cook, Eliza Schlesinger, Katherine Reitman, and anyone else we can think of who is talking about their journey to becoming a comedian and what failure looked like along the way. Hopefully this episode makes you laugh. Hopefully it inspires you to keep doing your thing, whatever your thing is. And if you enjoy it, hopefully you'll share it with someone else in your life. Enjoy today's Mastermind episode, The Funny Thing About Failure. If I've just got one shot, how do I cram 
Okay, that's cool. As many personal yes. stories into this. People will think I'm crazy and indulgent and all of the above and selfish, which I am, but fuck it. I'm just going to go yeah. for it. And it worked out. Do you feel like the success happened for that? Like, was that something that factored in? That was like, I gave it everything I had. It's, you know, Eminem, you've got one shot. Right. You gave it all to season one. And then it ended up being so fantastic that people are like, give us more. Um, first of all, not my first time being compared to Eminem. Lots of mom spaghetti, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but no, we, I mean, sort of like, we started season two and I opened the room and I'm like, fuck, I got nothing. I burned everything on season one, guys. How and then funny. The irony was the longer you are a mother, the more you know that stories will keep bubbling up. Your kids just get increasingly strange teachers and friends with new parents and work continues to get complicated with your responsibilities yes. as a mother because yeah. there's more piano recitals and more, you know, it all, it's a rich world. Yeah. So it's, you can go on for a very long time. That being said, I didn't want to overstay my welcome. And yeah. at the beginning of season six, when we were in the room, I was like, what do you think, guys? And I was like, one more, two more. And we just sort of shaped it to the end of seven. I love that because I think we all know those shows that were like, Probably should have, right. we should have wrapped that sooner. And right. it's nice when it's actually thought out. Yeah. Because I think too, if you love a show and then all of a sudden it's suddenly not there and you're like, wait, you didn't wrap up anything we needed to know because you were kind of putting it off forever. Well, and in their defense, a lot of the times they're just canceled, yeah. right? You're <laughs> they, just they like, had oh. no choice, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. A character goes upstairs with a plan, we never see him again. <laughs> right. Or it just made me think of Lost when they were, right, and they were like, oh, we had no, we didn't oh, know. We, there was no, we didn't know no it was plan. in the hatch. Like, we didn't know <laughs> why we put that. We just were like building the plane as we were flying. Does it. that make you angry? Yeah. <laughs> No, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Still had a great time. Right. I mean, there were right. a lot of hanging chads in that that I sort of wish we had yes. wrapped up, but it's yes. okay. It's been 20 years. We can all move on someday. One day, um, yes. Yeah, right. How did you get to the very first, like, you're greenlit, you have a show, you're doing this thing in a, what at the time you thought and maybe executives thought was a niche category? There's so few working moms in the world. I'm sure no one will relate to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy making, right? We had... Uh, got pregnant, had a child, and I never thought I was going to be a mom. My husband basically convinced me. Oh, wow. He was like, I promise I'll have your back. You can do this. I was a largely out-of-work actress at the time, and we decided to have a kid, and thank God, because Jackson, both of my kids are the best. You're in Canada. Yes. You get greenlit for 13 episodes. Yes. Had you ever done anything at that scope before? Did you ever no. let? Okay, so what was that process like? I was pregnant, two days pregnant, oh, <laughs> like God. a week pregnant. No big deal. Um, terrifying. I mean, I ran a writer's room for the first time, and I always liken it to like my baby and my show grew up at the exact same pace. Like they were on parallel paths. I white knuckled it through that first kid, right? Just like trying to do everything and trying to control everything. And then by season two, you have this toddler who kind of knows who she is. Yeah. And she's walking and telling you and where, when it's funny and when it's not funny. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's graduating, you know, seven seasons later, and I have to step back and go, people have turned it into their own story. They've connected with it in a way that's much more meaningful than anything I could have ever done. That's cool. And that's really cool. And you have to also, like, accept that it's, she's going to go and move on. Yeah. And I have to move feel? on. Yeah, how does that feel? Like Really good. Yeah. Right now it feels really good. Good, good. Like, I think okay, there's we're... moments of, you know, oh, man, I, 
I hope I still get to talk about it. Mm, yeah, of course, forever. Right? right? You yeah. hope so. There's so much content out there. Absolutely. And then there's moments where I'm like, it's so, like right now I'm developing two other things and it's so fun to break new worlds and find new characters that aren't the same characters from the ones I've been dealing with for yeah. the last seven years. Is there some trepidation in that of like, oh, what if it doesn't work oh, again? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, the lessons I learned, the great news about not having one season getting canceled and starting again is I learned so much in the last seven years I about bet. A, how much I don't know until I get to post. And uh, that's where we edit the show together. And also, that as long as it's authentic and means something to me, it's probably going to mean something to someone else. That's cool. Yeah. So tell me about that, uh, what you don't know until you get to post. So are you finding things in the <laughs> editing process that you're like, ooh, we should have done that differently? Oh, yeah. Like all the are, time. Yeah. Um, Lines or both. The setup? I mean, okay. whether we, you know, usually it's, you know, did we write something that made so much sense in the room? And then you get to the floor, meaning you get to shooting it with the actors and the crew and, Usually that's the first step where you go, okay, well, that, that made a lot of sense in our imagination, but now we're playing it out. The set actually looks like this. Your costume is bold. Mm -hmm. We've got a tweak. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the edit where you're like, it made so much sense when we had, you know, originally conceived of it. And now it doesn't play for whatever reason. And how do you manage that? Like, do you edit it out? Do you do reshoots? I'm not sure how TV works. I've done both. Okay. Sometimes you shoot something. And then the Harvey Weinstein issue comes up in real life, and you've got a character that was problematic. And you have to reshoot an ending where he has to learn a proper lesson. Mm. That's happened to us. And then there's just moments where you're like, oh, God, we didn't get the right coverage. And we've done everything from just cut, lose the whole scene to recutting it in a way where it makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. yeah. So those rewrites in real time, like when the world's happening around us, yeah. you know, something like Me Too, and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, we have to flip this and make a different decision. And yep. does that feel exciting and like empowering in that moment? Or does that feel like, oh God, if we rush something like this, are we going to do it in the wrong way? Or like- I'm not afraid of the rush anymore just because everything is rush. Mm. Always concerned that, my God, I hope we're executing this properly. Less scared of that, I guess, only because I can see until it's live on Netflix or wherever your streamer is, like it, there's so much time to respond. Meaning we can do a lot with very little. Yeah. So that's always given me a lot of, and my husband and I use that just in our day-to-day -day life of like, all right, we got to slow down to hurry up. Let's slow down. Let's take a breath. Three breaths. I bet you we have the, we have some clarity yeah. on what to do. That's good. So we've gotten, and I think that comes from production life. So moving on to your next projects, do you feel like you have the same energy and intention? Because this, this one kind of like ma not magically occurred, but like it almost sounds like maybe you weren't anticipating after it gets denied by everybody and then you have this right. fairy godmother, right? So do you have the same sort of like... I guess it's reverse magic where no one had ever seen any proof of concept with me right. that I was worth investing in. Mm. So all I knew was no. Was and this so your the first yes, big... Oh, like, yeah. I'd, I'd acted in a few things, but I'd okay, never really created anything. That's fucking cool. It's, that's I mean, I, really cool. I won the lottery. What? Well, you worked how many decades to get to a place where you won the lottery? My husband always <laughs> says that. You may have won the lottery in season one, but by season seven, right. yeah. you work for the lottery? Yeah, exactly. You are the lottery. You are the lottery. But that, I mean, I feel, okay, forgive me if I'm wrong, mm. but did you feel any, as you're, let's say you're going through this process, you're a working actress, you're trying to find your, you're right. trying to find this moment, right? 
And maybe you're looking at other people that you grew up with, other people that you know, friends of yours. Because if you grow up in this town, I feel like you probably know people in the industry. Are you seeing other people have success and thinking like, what the fuck? Like, where's my moment? Do you ever have that? No. Okay, um, that's fantastic. So I definitely, I mean, I was in Santa Barbara at 15 on. Okay. Which is a very actual, like it's a beautiful small town that absolutely has industry people in it. But most of the people I grew up with, I mean, it's not that they're not successful. They absolutely are. But they're not a, I was more in like comedian circles. Mm. And we were all just busting ass trying to, Got it. you know, get an inch here. We were just excited to get a pilot. And so the trajectory for most of us was, all right, well, audition, we probably won't get the pilot. But if we do, it probably won't get picked up for series. If we, if that happens, that's not going to get a second season. So I was so far back on this trajectory that was, you have 13 episodes and then it's greenlit and then it goes on for seven years. Yeah. Like I'm still like, what the? Yeah. How did that happen? But to answer your initial question, which was, are you nervous about that? Are you, because of the magic that happened with working moms, I think what's so wild to me now is the amount of people, thanks to working mom success, who are going, hey, you want to do this here or you want to do that there? Cool. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Where were you eight years ago? And now I'm like, okay, now I have to be really smart because if I am lucky enough for this to go for more than five years, I I know the time it takes. I know that it takes me away from my children. One of them who clearly has a neuropsychiatric disorder. Mm, yeah. I know what it takes. So I'm trying to be really smart about the yeses. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, 
No two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously, you can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. I like to live my life. I love living. I love the the word party is is dumbed down, but the idea of party of festive festive feelings of of celebrating of like of of eventizing your life and making everything something to look forward to. Yeah. Everything is a thing where you're like, ooh, ooh. Like having at least one of those every two weeks. Uh, and for me, they happen daily. I get them, I get them daily. But, I'm, but I've, I've set up my life, so that's it. Uh, what are those things? Like, so, uh, I'm having dinner with friends. Oh, or- I'm, I'm doing a reveal for the uh, Bucks, New Jersey, uh, in June 5th. And then I'm going to go play golf with my dad the day before that. And then uh, 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 Morgan Whalen's coming to the SoFi Center. Oh, uh, and cool. Like, yeah. So like, I love uh, – well, and then the, the, there's the obvious one. My movie comes out uh, Memorial right. Day weekend. Right. I, I planned the uh, – or I helped plan, for the most part, the red carpet event. Um uh, I'm going to do Drink Champs. There's a podcast I've really w- looked forward to doing to for a long time uh, next Monday. Um, like things where I go, this is a good thing. I'm so going you're to- still like enjoying this. Oh, which enjoying what? The success, the career, the. It's it's weird because you know. So w- we came from, and I don't know the right way to say this, but we came from this underground roots of of the entertainment business. So like Hollywood overlooked a lot of us. Yeah. And. and we started doing podcasts and then I fucking yes, I love this topic. I'm so excited to talk about it because comedians really nailed direct to consumer. Like yeah. you fucking figured out how to bypass every studio, every brand, everybody who said we are the gatekeepers and you need us to access and y'all were like, "Fuck you." Yeah. We can go direct. So, sorry to interrupt. No, no, but no, I no, love no, this no. And so and so we a lot of us, I'll say Rogan included, who's one of my my closest friends, were like, fuck everyone, I'm doing my own thing. Uh, Tommy did that, Segura, uh, Rogan, Ari, Joey, uh, Duncan, uh, so, uh, Marin to an extent, but Marin has, has gone and, and done had a really amazing acting career recently. But like a lot of us just did this like, we're going to do uh, our stuff and then fuck everyone else. And then... And just out of curiosity, did you guys know what you were doing? No. Or you were just like, let's get microphones and talk and see what happens? I mean, respectfully, and I know that 
everything can get taken out of context. Joe knew so little what he was doing. Of that course. He had snowflakes coming down the screen on his first few podcasts. No like, way. He was like, how do I turn this <laughs> off? Like, I mean, it was like, it was, it, and, and, and we really didn't know what we did, were doing because we were talking absolutely reckless. Whatever would shock us and make us laugh was the thing we said. Right. What, what, was, what we didn't even this? think this is 2000. Nine, ten. Oh wow. Two thousand ten, okay. maybe twelve. I, I'm not really certain with times. I'm bad with numbers. But I remember the payoff was immediate. You got these this fan base of like diehard fans who loved being a fly on the wall with these comedians, getting high as shit. I mean, you would I you'd do a podcast and you wouldn't even remember what you said. <laughs> like legit. And you and and you'd I mean, you get phone calls from people going like, bro, what the fuck? And you're like, well, what do you mean? And you're like, you talked shit about me last night. And I'm like, I don't, did I? I didn't, I don't. Were you doing it live? Oh, we were doing them live. Oh, they were streaming live. They were streaming live. And there was no edit. That once you said it, you said it. Oh my God. And it, it went out everywhere. Oh, wow. And so, but the payoff was like, people were coming to our shows. And, and, and we were getting a fan base. And we were having a fucking blast. Yeah. I mean, it was, there's no way, I mean, I, I'm doing Rogan in a, in a, in a couple of weeks to promote the movie. Cool. And there's a part of me that I wished, there was part of me that if he said, hey man, can we just do it in LA at my old house, in my old office, that bedroom I converted into an office? Because that was the like, it's still a blast doing it. Like I, the last time I did it, I think we did like five hours. But like, it's still a blast doing it. But those early days were like, it was like the the special thing. Yeah. And uh, and we all started doing that. And then, and then, we all started getting success in different sort of ways. Like, you know, you'd watch. Like, I think Tommy was the first one to really start doing theaters in like, like a big capacity. I was still on Travel Channel, so I wasn't doing. I was like straddling the fence. Like, I couldn't smoke weed on camera on Joe's podcast. They would because, turn the yeah. camera because one time a, a network exec called. And he's like, "Yo, man, you're fucking doing drugs on camera." And I was like, it's weed. And he's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like, we're owned by, they were owned by Scripps, which was pretty much a faith-based company. And he's like, you cannot be smoking weed on camera. So they, when I would smoke weed, they'd turn the camera away from me and I'd smoke weed. And then, so it was, and, and, and like, and I was a little bit careful of what I was saying at times. Like, I, like only like, but I, you never know. Like, yeah. and so we had a fucking blast. And then we all started getting success in certain ways. I was still Travel Channel. I got fired from Travel Channel. Well, so I love this story and I've heard you talk about it with Joe and I would love to understand it more. So did you not have a plan to be a stand-up comedian? Like how did you end up hosting a travel show? Okay. So I, when I, I got into the business in, uh, nine, when I was 26, I don't know what year that was. Uh, I was starting doing stand-up. I started doing stand-up at 26. Here in LA? Uh, in New York, okay, a place called the Boston Comedy Club, and I, in, in doing it, I got discovered very quickly by Will Smith. Like six months into doing stand up, I know yeah. what I know. I this know. is crazy. I've never heard that. I've had the craziest. I've I have the craziest luck. Um, I have the craziest luck, and so I get discovered by Will Smith six months in. We sign a development deal. We sell it to Fox. I move out here for seven months. Live in the Universal Sheridan. Deal goes away. Kind of go, ah, we'll figure out what we're doing. I move back to New York. I do a tour in Scotland. And in the middle of Scotland with, with uh, a guy named Patrice O'Neill and Rich Voss. In the middle of Scotland, I get another offer to do a TV show and another development deal. I'd done a showcase. It done went well. And uh, and so I, I get a TV show. And so I start hosting. 
Um, I, I, this is really inside baseball, but like when it comes to talent in this business, you get you have different muscles. Hosting is a definite muscle. Being able to read prompter, talk to camera, interview someone, move, move, uh, move, copy forward, and be like, "Great, that's awesome. Let's take a look at the next thing." So that you have you have cheesecake, and what beer did you pair that with? Like that muscle is a muscle. Okay. And so I learned that muscle very young, and so adversely I could I don't know if that's the right word adversely I could get jobs and pay the bills by hosting bullshit pilots. So like I did a pilot, the world's best dancing dog. No. Where we searched the world for the best dancing dog. It was the worst pilot. I remember going to the first dinner with the with the team, director, producer, writer, everyone. It was for Animal Planet. And they're like, I, I go, uh, they go, you want a beer? This has happened a number of times. And I go, no, no, I don't want a beer. I'm going to be focused. I want to really hit this out of the park. And the guy goes, do you though? <laughs> I said, what? And he goes, do you want to hit it out of the park? Or wouldn't it be nice if you just took the money for this pilot and this never went anywhere? <laughs> I went, what do you mean? He goes, do you want to spend the next eight years of your life looking for a dancing dog? <laughs> Look, we'll all do a good job, but let's not hit it out of the park. And I went. Good point. I go, good I point. Have... And he goes, let's have a good time. Yeah. We're all getting a paycheck. Let's make the product and make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And I was like, fuck. Are you serious? And so. So I did that for like I did that for I did I did maybe twenty five pilots and from so I had the TV show I did a sitcom pilot all that went away and then I started making pilots uh, some turned into TV shows like the show Hurt Bert that I did and but most didn't some did some I did fresh baked video games these shows that no one saw but they paid good money you make one hundred thirty grand for like ten episodes and you're like it's great. Uh, five grand was my was my fee. Then it was ten grand. And some pilots were awesome, never went anywhere. Some pilots were absolutely horrible. Uh, and and you just were like, and then and then I get, but I'm doing stand up the whole time. Okay. And then I get a I get an offer. What I was really good at was uh, being absolutely terrified, and and hosting, but being scared and hurt. So like, if you could fuck me up somehow, then it was like it was like gold. Like I got mauled by a bull. Viral clip. I got. I was an MMA fighter. I got choked out by a Gracie. Like everything that every time I got hurt, I was a professional football player. So then Travel Channel comes to me and they're like, "Yo, we need we want a guy to ride roller coasters for a living." I go, "Yeah, I don't. I'm not that guy." And they're like, "No, we think you'd be great." And so I end up doing it, and they see that I'm I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of roller coasters. And so I'm like a child. I'm a big fat child on these roller coasters, and like this is great. We do Birth of Conquer, do like two seasons. It's it, it's 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 it it airs right after Man vs. Food. That's our lead in. I mean, we have huge numbers, and then you know, and then the whole time I'm doing stand up, and that right then is when I, I I meet Rogan. I think that's 2012. I'm probably 36 years old. I'm guessing. I'm bad with numbers, and so I do Travel Channel for like seven years, and then. One night, I come into the comedy store, and uh, Bill Burr and Rogan are in the green room. And I'm like, hey, guys. And it's, it's awkward. It's almost like they were talking about me. And I was like, hey, guys. <laughs> and they're like, hey, what's up? I was like, what are you guys? And then they just are like, your, your TV show sucks. I go, what? And they're like, it's, it's, it's not you. Like, you're, you're not that guy. Like, you should not be hosting shows. You should be focusing on your podcast and stand-up. Now, I've been doing stand-up. And I've been doing podcasts, but I've been phoning them in because yeah. I'm getting good money at Travel Channel. Right. And and at this point, are you married with kids? Married with kids. Right. Two kids, 
I wish I knew years would be important in this, but I'm really bad at like figuring out when this was. I I can actually tell you, it was 2017. Okay. It was 2017 because I had, I had an outstanding offer from this great guy named Gary Garfinkel over at Showtime to shoot a special at Showtime. It's an outstanding offer. One of the coolest things that ever happened in my career. Coolest things. Uh, real short story, just to celebrate a man who's passed, Gary Garfinkel. Uh, I'll get emotional telling this, but it was really cool. So I go to Montreal to run my hour for all the network execs. It's really stressful. Small comedy club. I sell it out because Rogan's starting to build a base. And I'm in the green room. I'm nervous. And Gary Garfinkel comes up with a, a glass of scotch. And he sits it down and he says, congratulations. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, what a great fucking night. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you nervous? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, don't be. I said, really? And he goes, yeah, I'll buy your hour right now. He said, so know that I bought it and go out there and kill it making a bidding war. Oh, my God. He's a great fucking guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I cry on every fucking goddamn podcast. <laughs> Why the fuck do I cry so much? I think it's because I'm getting old. So, um, No, it's because you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he was a great guy. He passed. Um, and so uh, I am – and so they tell me you, this you, – you shouldn't – you shouldn't be doing this show. You should focus on your podcast, focus on your stand-up. I shoot the Showtime for special. No one fucking watches it. No one watches it. Because <laughs> I take my shirt off. There's the one note that this very sweet lady at Showtime said, like, if if you keep your shirt on, you you don't give them reason to change the channel. And I was like, what do you mean? Shit. She goes, if you take your shirt off, like, you're actually giving them a reason to go, I don't want to see that. <laughs> And I, she goes, it's a, it's, it's a real decision. It's a choice. And I went, yeah, but I haven't performed with my shirt on in like like eight years. I don't know what it, I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable with the shirt on. She's like, can we do one with your shirt on and one with your shirt off? And I was like, no, because you'll use one with my shirt on. Uh, absolutely. And so, uh, so I did it with my shirt off. No one watched it. It was the lowest rated special Showtime had ever aired. I misread my contract. I posted all the clips from my special, including the machine story. I post all of them on my, uh, on my Facebook it's the lowest people have heard me say this before, but I'll, I'll reiterate it because I, I think I think our concentric circles of our fans is probably very small. Yes, um, it's the lowest point of my life. My wife is redoing our house. Uh, I've been let go from Travel Channel. I let Travel Channel call and they said, you know, we're not going to renew your contract. We don't have a space for you on this network. I, uh, you say you want to be Anthony Bourdain. You are no Anthony Bourdain. We're moving on. Uh, I was supposed to do a funnier die tour that was it was a big thing. It was called Oddball. Uh, I got pulled off for no reason at all. Like just they were like, eh, we'll save money, take him off," and, and, and which was crushing because I'd canceled my entire all my tour dates for the fall. For that, for that, yeah. my best friend Tom Segura is fat shaming me. It's going viral, right? Uh, As a joke, or it's actually it's a joke. It's a joke. It's okay. a joke. But it was it started. It, he was fatter than me at the time, so it was ironically funny. Yes, but it was a joke. But it starts going viral, and I'm and I mean everything is falling apart in my life. I have one club date at Helium, and the manager on the ride back from radio. As I'm looking at a convenience store and a guy in basketball shorts, a wife beater, and a cigarette with slides and socks on, smoke a cigarette. And I'm looking at him going, how nice is his life? Going like, he, you know, I bet he doesn't go to sleep worrying about work. He just wakes up going, eh, I'll have a cigarette. Guy isn't worried about health. He isn't worried about anything. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. 
honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. when your comedy unites people in some way, and sometimes I get that story, right. and then they finally decide, okay, you know what, we're upgrading yeah. our life yeah. and we're, we're, up, we're expanding our enterprise. Uh, I think that people, for whatever reason, they reach out and it always starts, we love your stand-up, uh, we either had a date at your show or we almost broke up after your show, or, but then it's like a real heartfelt, like we only felt it was right to ask you if you have an opinion people on the name. People are bananas. Oh, people are. They're crazy. Cert- I'm glad that we can just own that at this point and be like, it, there was a time in history, I think, that we thought we were all like regal. Right. And everybody was uh, was supposed to be at some level of some seniority or royalty. And no, it's like, we're all pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah. But and- we all know some smart shit <laughs> to share with other dumb people. And if you get the right crew of mm-hmm. imbeciles and right. like we all are, yeah, you might get a squad of smart people. Because Between we all, all are smart us, enough and are dumb. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> to know, okay, we won't fully fall apart because Mike knows how to build and Lori's uh, an accountant. Right. And, right? It's yep. like, but people will ask me and then I will sit and I'll be like, okay. And I'll ask questions. I'll be like, yeah, you know what you're going to have? And where, where are you from? Where did you conceive the child? Where, like, And I just get like backstory. And next thing you know, I'm like, Farah. And have you gotten confirmation that oh, yeah. people, they fully named their kids? For sure. I've been, I'm so, I'm like the old bull. So now not only do I get the confirmation, I get the like, uh, you know, he, he, she graduated from fifth grade and <laughs> today she asked me how she got her name. And no we said, way. yeah, it's real. it's, it's been a kick. That's one of the, that, and I think one of the wildest days of my life 
beautiful day was I was doing something with uh, Children's Hospital. I loved. Uh, I was in Children's Hospital as a kid, so oh, wow. that that means a lot to me to continue to you know ingratiate myself and help that community. And I'm roaming the halls one day. I think we're doing like a Christmas type thing, and uh, uh, and they they said, "Oh, this woman down the hall, could you meet her son?" I go, and this little cute towhead kid is sitting. He's smiling, and she said, "This is our son Dane." We named him after you. Oh, wow. And thankfully, he was dealing with something that he was going to be okay. Yeah. But I had never met... Uh, Someone named after you. Yeah. And, and my mom fought to name me Dane against... Nobody wanted me to be named Dane. My dad <laughs> didn't call me by my own name till I was like 18 because oh, he was wow. so upset that my mom wanted to what name me... What did he me want you to be called? Angus McIsaac. No, that's not true. With a hyphen. <laughs> that was going to be my first name. If my dad had his way... I was Angus McIsaac. It was a mentor and a friend he lost in Korea. Oh, wow. So I was going to be AM, Angus McIsaac. And my mom, literally the day of giving birth, switched it up and said, I'm going to name him Dane. And that's because, not the Thornbirds. Some people go, there's a Dane character in the book. She just like, great Danes. Do you have moments where you're like, I am fucking crushing it. We're yes. selling out. We're doing the thing. We're, we're doing... And then it, someone will be like, but we found this article right. that says you're ugly and well, people hate the, you. I, it, it, At the exact you moment. It, yeah, but that's the pendulum swing. And sometimes the pendulum goes swings like that. And sometimes it's a nice year of a swing. But right. I, I kind of always prerequisite know like uh, I can have a joyous moment. But then grounding myself and realizing, you know, right. there's something else that could come along. So even if it's a few seconds, revel in it. But you know, figure out how to fortify it. For me, it's like, okay, when everything's going along and we're in flow and it's working and then something sort of comes out of left field, I always feel like, wait, this is a lesson because it's trying to punch me in the face. Yeah, and then I have days where I'm like, life is just left field. The whole thing we've signed up for is a left field and we're meant to be, it's, this is a challenge, universal game show, we're on it and the key to winning is going, more hits, more You're hits. So right, it's yeah. just continuing I have to, to show I up. I have to, right, exactly. Because the alternative is uh, looking at every single person around you and realizing, man, everybody is broken in some way. Everybody's fractured. Everybody is trauma based. Everybody is capsized. But the ones that that own it and stand up straight and say these things happen to me instead of trying to facade it or right. however. Um, the, that to me is like the lesson of okay, me too. I have that same experience, and the way to the way I for me the way to journey forward is to share all those experiences, good or bad, in real time as quickly as I can therapy it out with <laughs> with people that do want to listen. Because of course, not everybody wants to have a right robust introspective conversation, but I do. Yeah, I do. So yeah. I, I I have surround myself with the people that. In real time, we allow each other to um, revel in moments, even if it's obnoxious and a little over the top. And when we break down, we don't wait to say, is everything okay? We just go right to each other and say, I'm not okay today. Right. And we know how to, like, start those things in a row. But Well, sometimes when those moments happen, what I actually go to is 
I'm, so I'm looking at someone else going, wow, someone's throwing you a life preserver and you're making a really interesting choice about how, and then I go, what, am I doing this? Hmm. Is that why the universe is giving me this moment? Is there some area of my life that there's an opportunity that I'm looking at in the wrong, like I will approach it from every angle, which yeah. is maybe I'm making up the reality, but at least in this reality, it's like, I'm learning, I'm evolving, I'm growing. Right. And it, maybe me helping wouldn't have done anything at all, but I just am like, damn, imagine being desperate and still not accepting help. But maybe on the other side of that is a person or individuals that, for whatever their narrative, they need to crash and burn. And unfortunately, you're on the ride that they are, right. you know, nosediving in. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I we could we could do this. Don't you love like people that there's those people once in a while that come along and go, this whole fucking conversation is just it's all coincidence. You don't know. Right. And you're finding ways to and, and they're kind of they kind of alleviate you and and take the burden off of. Yeah, because I am. I love uh, talking shop, Me human too. shop. Me too. Comedy. Yes. You know, enter like. I love delving in and being like, because I believe there's a greater mystery. Right. And so right. I do go like, okay, like maybe the whole key is when you finally pass on someday, somebody's there going, you learned 80% of the playbook. You're good. Oh, right? yeah, that's a cool idea. <laughs> Welcome, I you can eat anything now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just get the left side of the heaven buffet. It's the whole room. Because there's people that I'm like, no, I remember <laughs> when you didn't care. I remember when you sort of disassociated and right. then when things came back online, you yeah. were like, oh, we love her. And I'm like, no, I right. remember. Well, I, I forgive those people and I, I, I've, further call, along I've called people on them. <laughs> you know, forgiveness is, by the way, that's also like, it's such a blanket, like, I forgive you. It's not like that. It's like, hey, there are things I love about you, but I don't respect that. And I hope that changes and I still don't want you like out of my life, but that thing you did. You know, I recognize it. Sometimes just by saying that to somebody, they'll come around, may take a minute, may take 10 years. I've had, I had somebody like literally 10 years after a moment in my life come to me and say, I, I want to apologize for this thing that I, you don't even know I did this to you 10 years ago, but I recognize that you knew that, that there was a uh, nefarious people around you. And I was one of them. And I just want to say instantly, I was like, I, I, I respect that. It, it doesn't make the relationship perfect. But I'd rather have people like that around me than somebody who it's seemingly like just all, you know, all right. great, right? Right. So, yeah, it's like that that idea of um, of w I know who was there for me when I came up for air. Uh, people who didn't even need to be there. People who had their own things going on, good and bad, did not need to take that time for me. So uh, a lot of love, endless, infinite amounts of love. For those people who helped me in really scary, scary times, mm. you know, really lost in my own thoughts. But the people that, you know, neglected me, maybe they just weren't ready. Maybe they didn't know how. There's a lot of reasons. It's not always just they're bad. They yeah. sucked. Yeah. It's easy to be like, you fucking, you <laughs> blew me off. And it's like, but but why? I do want to yeah. understand why, even if I don't like it, more than just going, you know, like there there are people in my life that I, I have sat with in the last couple of years, you know, knee to knee and said, like, I want to own some things, but I also want to give you an opportunity to like, and let, let's just, let's not pass each other in the night and look at each other that way anymore. What would happen if we just 
It's not a podcast. Only you and I need to know the result of this. So let, let's just fucking throw it out on the table. Mm. It's been like magnificent because it shifts the energy. And next thing you know, you're like, sometimes you're even creating with people that you're like, I never thought I could, I would. And then other people, it's just nice to be able to see them and go, oh, we see each other differently because we allowed each other to, especially as men, to like really be vulnerable vulnerable you know that it's yeah the testosterone lowers a little bit as you get older <laughs> and that's why like some people will go like why do those people keep doing donuts in the middle of the fucking street and then they hit like 10 people and you're like yeah but when you're like 25 and you're driving a sports car and you have a thing called testosterone like right. you're bonkers yes <laughs> so as that starts to settle hopefully the first thing that a lot of fellas especially will do is go like let's sweep your side of the street it's very powerful, very manly to take ownership over uh, things that you've done that might have, uh, you know, put people in a bad spot. And then you'd be surprised at where that takes those relationships. How did you get into 20th comedy? Tour. Uh, is that really? Come on. Go. No, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I'm more mean career wise. Yeah. Lots of people are funny. They tell jokes. But how do you actually start making money doing this specific thing? That's a good question. Um, I do believe the passion goes first. Like that you have to love making people laugh, whatever your chosen art form is. Um, you have to love doing it and the money follows. And as cheesy as that sounds, when I got into stand-up, I had no concept of any way to monetize anything. You do a show, you get paid for it. And in many cases, when you started, you didn't even get paid for it. Um, and I do think it's become stand-up and comedy is just so hot right now. And there's so many ways to make it, whether it's on the internet or touring. There's all different ways of ticketing stuff. So I just started doing it with no concept and no real goal other than to do a good job at each show. And within that, you can, you know, there's there's different, you know, merch or platinum ticketing, touring, not touring, monetizing your content, you know. So there's infinite ways within the realm of being funny. And was that the case when you started? Because what year was that? I started stand-up probably... 2005-ish, okay. I can never quite remember. And by started, I mean, you know, you're doing a bar show, <laughs> which you're actually spending money on because, you know, you're getting a drink before and you're bringing your friends and they're paying. And and then three years in, I became a professional comedian touring. But people, you know, you would do your spots around LA. Nobody was really paying. And if they did, it was like $10. And that was in LA. New York, they paid. And I know that in London, they paid because I remember I went to London and did a spot and they gave me some pounds. And I was like, this is, I'm a king. <laughs> and then it, really recently in LA, you know, for local spots, they've been paying a lot more and clubs are paying more because there's such a premium on it. Um, but yeah, when I started, you're making $3,000 a weekend and they're hoping to get as many shows out of you as possible. Because wow. when you first start, like they're, the club is making their money off of the tickets, but really it's food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always tell young comics. I'm like, go to, you want to start, like, go to any club and be like, what's your worst night? Let me run a show there. Because they just want to sell drinks. Right, right. Uh, and your goal should not, it should not be, when you first start, it's not about the money. It should be about getting a solid act and then charging for it. Don't charge people to hear you bomb. <laughs> get something solid. Then How play. do you get from, you have an idea for a joke to, it's a solid, like you're ready to take it out and you feel like people can pay dollars for this? Well, joke. for me, I'm like, there is a degree of talent 
if you're a real comic, where what you're going to say is going to be funny. It may not be the most perfect joke. So I'm always working out stuff and I'm always peppering it in. I go up almost every night. Oh, wow. Not every comic does that works that way. When I'm on the road, I don't go up uh, at home as much. When I say go up for anyone listening, that means like go do a set locally. Okay. Whether it be at an alt show or a club, just run like a 15 minute set. Seven nights a week. Uh, almost every night. Okay. I, I try to take off Sundays and I try to take off Mondays. Got it. Um, I try. So yeah, it's about running it over and over. And each night you come up with something new and then hopefully remember it the next night and just going over and over and it keeps changing each time. Do you look forward to it every time you have to go up? No. Okay. Okay. No. No. But from doing it enough, I know like your mental health, your salvation, your energy, your key to your stress lies on the other side of that set. Mm. So whatever you're going through that day, there, I mean, I cancel sets sometimes. Sometimes you have an obligation or you just don't feel well. But if you're having a bad day, chances are, fine. if I'm having a bad day, chances are it's going to feel better on the other side of that set. And you can, it's like a stress release. But no, I don't. I mean, there are nights like drag, especially if it sets at like 9.30, like drag yourself off the couch. Sometimes I've been chewing gum lately. That's like my like way to get into it. And you go and you start to get energized. And then I get so energized that I come home and I'm like, I just need to like sit here and drink a LaCroix. Right. And scroll on my phone for an hour to like right, unwind. to come down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I usually eat a lot right after, so even if it's 15 minutes out. Do you not eat beforehand? Like, is it like you're, it's, you're going to do a performance? So are you thoughtful about like, I can't have food until afterwards? No. Okay. I just, I dig how people, like what is the minutia that allows someone to perform at their best, whether it's a comedian or an athlete? I think what allows me to perform at my best is the energy from the audience. You're going to get the best set out of me if it's a great crowd. And a lot of times you have to, especially if it's not your audience, like if you're just doing a local set, the challenge that I try to rise to every time is to dig the audience out of whatever hole someone left them in before and you try to get them on your side. And that's, I think, the difference between professionalism versus someone just telling jokes is like waking that audience up, whipping them into shape, getting that energy somewhere you want it, and then leaving it as a gift for the next comic. Don't have a problem eating before. It's not like a nerve thing. Yeah. But I was in Vegas one time and uh, a friend of mine, his name is Ed Huckfeld, and he produced these shows at the Venetian forever called Lipstick. And it was just like all female headliner showcase. And we became very close. And he came into the green room and I'd like eaten a bunch of meats and cheeses. <laughs> and I was like, how do I look? I go, do I look fat? He goes, no, you look full. And he was right. Like my <sighs> belly was full. Like I ate a lot of ham. We want to see you evolve. Yes. Right? Like if you, you were right. still trying to do the same jokes you were doing at 22 or whatever, it'd yeah. be like, oh, what are you doing? And there are comics that yeah. like don't evolve and you don't need to have children to evolve. You yeah. don't need – it's not about that. But male or female, there are people where you're just like, do we want to hear this Right. We're from still you. doing the same stuff that you once were. Yeah. I really – this was not – it's not so much that it wasn't the goal as much as I didn't have the foresight about this. But when I started, you know, I talked about the things you should be talking about in your 20s. Dating, boys and girls, men and women, drinking, you know, stuff like that. And then I talked about getting married. And then I talked about being an elder millennial. So I just clock life as I see it. And, you know, one day it'll be about menopause. You know, but this is a career fully lived. Yeah. 
And I think leaning into those things. But if your experience is at 50 that you are still, you know, out there dating 25-year-olds, then there are people who relate to that. Yeah. As long as it's wholly authentic to you. Is there anyone coming up in comedy right now that you're looking at going like, oh, so rad, like such a cool perspective? All of my friends. Yeah. I just produced 18 comedy specials. Oh, wow. I did 18 10-minute, so they're bite-sized comedy specials for 18 local LA oh, comics. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> You're the only one. Uh, it's called Eliza's Locals, and it's on it's on YouTube. I did it with 800 Pound Gorilla, and they produce a lot of Santa specials. I just, going back to our thing about, you know, success and this industry, I was like somewhere between a Netflix hour and producing your own five-minute clip on Instagram. There has to be something So I did that. I just found these 18 comics who have unique perspectives, some of whom are my friends, some of whom are comics that I've just seen working for a very long time. So we have like the guy who opens for me, his name is Hunter Hill, and he is uh, in his 30s. Our kids are two weeks apart, and he's a very uh, evolved, gentle man while still being a guy. I think that's a special perspective. I've got a lot of friends that do stand-up, and so it's my friend Jody Miller is – a mom who adopted, you know, and she's a little bit older than me and she has her own take that I think is desperately needed in stand-up. You know, I think somehow along the line we decided along the way it was like, oh, just any guy in his 30s with a beard that smokes pot represents all of us. And what we're seeing now with all these different voices, like most people have a sense of humor and there's someone out there that will fully get what you're going through. Yeah. Um, Who did I see the other day? There's a uh, Leanne Morgan. Yes. Yes. And I, so my family's Southern. So I got so much of the humor in that, but I've never seen someone her age in a dress and heels and like cute little jewelry. It looked like my mom doing stand up and her audience looked like my mom. And I thought this is so incredible because it wouldn't have existed 30 years ago. I mean, there are women over 40 in the South that are like very sassy that have a very funny take. And like, she's, representative of I'm sure tons of different kinds of people but like that's a voice that's a very valid voice and so we're seeing that across all sorts of spectrums color gender queer whatever it's not just like there's you can make yourself accessible there's no kingmakers anymore like just because you don't have a Netflix special doesn't mean you can't have a YouTube special doesn't mean you can't blow up on TikTok uh the market dictates and that is what's so great about stand-up is the bad and good thing about it is like it you live and die by your jokes. And how, so how how would that be bad? It's bad if your jokes are bad. Okay. <laughs> it's bad if you're not getting ahead. It's like maybe that is at the end of the day, you know, I, I get comics that complain and they get frustrated, which is fair. Like it is really frustrating. But I always say there is literally no one who has great jokes and puts in the work that doesn't get ahead. It doesn't happen. I know plenty of comics who like have a total failure to launch. Like they are very funny, but they kind of dick around. They don't really do the work. Sometimes you can be talented and people will champion you, but those two things combined, you will get somewhere. Mm. No excuses. Yeah. And we are past this the point of like, it's because I'm a girl. It's because I'm this or that. Yes. In some rooms that might, that might work against you. So go to another room. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. 
It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.